We'll be right back after this. I've actually been using today's sponsor for over three years and love them. And that company is Mint Mobile. After years of fine print contracts getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when you hear me say Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, you might think, what's the catch? But the cool part is that there isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They don't have retail stores or salespeople, which cost a lot of money. Instead, they deliver premium phone plans directly to you. Say goodbye to your multi-hundred dollar phone bill per month and start using Mint Mobile where plans start as low as 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash fyshow. That's mintmobile.com slash fyshow. Cut your wireless bill to just 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash fyshow. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower, above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Now back to the show. Everything needs to be positive messaging. I can do this. I can do this. It's not I need to do this because I want to look like this. But the most important thing to me is to strike while the iron is hot, while you have the motivation. Welcome to The Fi Show, where you get a behind-the-scenes look into financial independence. Here's your host, Cody and Justin. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of The Fi Show. But before we get started with this episode, let's check in with my awesome co-host, Justin. What's up, man? Yeah, we're just kind of shaking off the big trip we just went on. You know, we uh, just spent a month going around the country to Colorado, down to Texas, back home to Mississippi, up to Boston. Uh, We just got back last Tuesday, so still kind of wielding from that. Also, big news, going to be moving down to Austin, Texas. I think maybe we're going to do an episode. We're going to do some deeper life updates later, so we'll get more into that. But that includes a lot of packing, a lot of donating, a lot of going through the things, and you realize uh, maybe you got a lot more stuff than you really need. How about you, Cody? Yeah, so things have been pretty exciting for me. I've actually been like hardcore looking for rental properties, like a duplex or a triplex that I can move into, make it a house hack. I've been talking to realtors and wholesalers around central Massachusetts, also been looking at some faraway locations. So I've been looking at Indianapolis. I've been looking at places in Alabama, trying to get my foot in the real estate door. I know I've said it so many times in the podcast before that, hey, I'm going to start this year actually investing in real estate. And I really do think 2020 is the year for that. So fingers crossed. We'll see and hope that everything is working pretty good. And as I just mentioned to you, Justin, I'm profusely sweating while I'm recording. It's 93 out. I don't have air conditioning in the lake house that I live in for the summer. So recording this, trying to stay as cool as possible, putting my feet in the water probably right after we get done with this. But before we get into today's episode, let's take a quick moment for our sponsors. All right, Show listeners slash real estate investors. Have you ever given the door code out to one of your properties? Or maybe you left a key under the mat for a delivery person. Did you feel nervous about it? If yes, you have to go check out Igloo Home. That's Igloo, as in what Eskimos live in, then home. If you own a property and are a business owner like me, your biggest limitation is that you can't be in two places at once. And no matter how you choose to let someone in, you always seem to be trading off security for accessibility. Now you don't have to. With Igloo Home's remote access smart lock, you decide who has access and when. Set a one-time pin so people can stop by while you're out. Your Igloo Home app will keep a log of every time a pin is used so you can relax knowing your home or office is still secure. So if you're a property owner who is curious about how this thing works, you should definitely go check out the Igloo Home website. Igloo Home has products to fit every property. There's a smart deadbolt, a key box, a padlock, and more. There's a ton of stuff on there. And as listeners of the Fi Show, you'll get a 15% discount off your smart lock 
if you order with promo code FISHOW on www.igloohome.co. That's www.igloohome.co with promo code FISHOW. So today's episode is one of mine and Cody's best friends in the financial independence space and just overall in general. He's a repeat offender from episode 36 where him and Emily came on, talked about how they both retired in their 20s after just two years in the real estate game. So that was really awesome. But today we're going to be focusing on fitness where James actually owns some state records in powerlifting. He's done bodybuilding competitions and is just generally a super fit guy who's really passionate about this stuff. And we're going to talk about it through the angle of financial independence. Take it away, James. Essentially bought a bunch of real estate, saved, lived very frugally for a few years, and then pulled the trigger on the fire life and moved abroad in September right after FinCon and were in Europe until until after the outbreak. We were actually stranded in Europe for a couple months of it. We had to uh, get flights back through. They were chartered through the U.S. Embassy and the U.K. Embassy, and so they actually had to like fly us out, but that was that was an interesting thing. But Despite the coronavirus, you know, swinging all it can, we're still living the fire lifestyle. We're still doing okay and just working out and staying active and doing whatever we can to relieve any stress that we can. And another big part of your background, James, I don't, you didn't touch on there was you probably have a little bit different diet than most of the listeners out there. So the way the way my wife and I, uh, Emily, we term it freegan. So essentially, we are vegan when it comes to our dollar. But if we go to an event or things like that, and that's the that's the big stopping point for a lot of people is that we feel that if we go to a barbecue or a wedding or something like that, we don't want to be the one person that's over there eating like a side salad that can't partake in in some of the food. And so essentially, if it's free and we and our choice doesn't determine how much of it is made, so most of the time like a potluck or something like that then we do partake of animal products. But other than that, we're plant-based. So that's that's how we call it. And so one of the first points I want to talk about here, James, this is why I wanted you on because you've experimented with a ton of diets. I know before you kind of went freegan, you had tried multiple different diets as I have myself. And you also were a competitive bodybuilder and you've done weightlifting, powerlifting, all this different types of stuff. So could we kind of talk a little bit about why health and fitness are so important and maybe draw some parallels to financial independence? Absolutely. So health and fitness is really important to me. Not a lot of people know, but my father passed away when I was really young. I think I was in sixth or seventh grade, like right in between. It was during the summer. And he actually passed away due to complications from diabetes, unmanaged diabetes. I should mention that. A few people in my family, I'm, I'm from the deep south. And so we, we like our fried food and we like butter and everything. And so because of that, some of my family aren't very healthy. And that was something that I absolutely wanted to steer clear from. So from essentially high school, I took health and fitness very seriously and tried to incorporate working out and dieting and things like that. And it just kind of morphed into, like you had mentioned, I've done, you know, competitive bodybuilding. I did a couple of physique shows. I've done uh, powerlifting and things like that. And what the similarities to me are, and it made it really easy because I come from this world where I was dieting all the time and, you know, doing all these little things to try to add up to something, you know, miraculous on a stage when all the work was actually way before that. And that that really has a lot of parallels with financial independence and in that it's a lot of small daily choices where, you know, you're choosing to bring your lunch, you're skipping a, ca- a coffee out, even though the coffee thing isn't like a real thing, I guess, <laughs> the cappuccino effect or whatever they call it. But anyways. It's all these small choices that you make, you know, doing a house hack. It's it's a lot of things behind the scenes 
And then afterwards you see like the lifestyle that we live and, you know, we're going to all these cool places and doing all these cool things and it looks great, but really the, all the work was done at the beginning and not now. And so you just went through like a lot of different styles of the kind of competitions you've done, whether it be physique more based, more actual based on like how much you can lift. And then there's also this idea that you've talked about, which is just longevity, living for a long time. What do you think the big differences are there? Like what's some pros and cons? I mean, somebody, you know, if you're living the physique life, does that mean you might be kind of damaging yourself from thinking about the long term, like health and wellness? Same thing with powerlifting. Like what's just some of the differences there? I would say lifting and exercise in general for longevity would include a lot of functional things, a lot of cardio, a lot of things that you're you're focusing on a very well-rounded aspect. And physique, the whole goal is when you step on a stage that you look better than the person next to you. And that's all according to the judges. So it's a very subjective view. And people can do it in an unhealthy way, but usually these people are still much healthier than the average American. So I don't want to say, you know, don't do physique because you won't be healthy. Really, if you do any type of exercise, then you're already going to be healthier than the average person. And so that's that's a key part of it. And the powerlifting is, again, a very similar thing. I had to cut a lot of weight to get to a certain weight class. And in the grand scheme of things, if I did that a lot of times, then that would probably damage my hormone systems, my endocrine systems, things like that. If I was doing drastic weight cuts and, you know, dehydration and things like that. But at the end of the day, I think that even doing those, even while I was doing those, I was still being very healthy and very conscious about how exactly I was doing it. I wasn't, you know, crash dieting for three weeks to get on, you know, the stage and then try to look better than the guy next to me. I was hydrated backstage and that actually actually upset a lot of people in these competitions because I was drinking water the whole time and they've chewed on ice cubes for three days straight trying to get this, you know, toned physique or whatever. But I do think that there, you can do both. You can look good, you can lift heavy, and you can do something that's going to help your longevity, help do, uh, you know, functional training and things like that that are going to help you in a day-to-day life. So I know we definitely have a lot of listeners out there who they might not be interested in weightlifting at all, which is totally fine. So I want to talk a little bit about like effective cardio and burning fat, because I think there's a lot of misconceptions and bad information that gets put out there about like the best ways to lose weight. And people will go for like a 15 minute walk every day and think that they're going to all of a sudden have a six pack or something crazy like that. Obviously, that's a little bit of a stretch, but I think there are some better ways to do cardio and burn fat and maybe some worse ways. And I'd love if you could just talk about a few of those. Absolutely. So one of the big ones that a lot of people talk about is high intensity interval training. They call it HIT. And I enjoy that because it's not something that I have to do like a 25 minute slog on the treadmill with or anything like that. And so it can be as simple. My favorite, honestly, my favorite cardio is jumping rope. It is by far the best thing that I have found for me personally. It's a mind thing. It's also arms. It's you're running, you're doing calves, you're doing things like that. And it takes up very little space and it's very low equipment. You can get a jump rope literally at Walmart for five or 10 bucks. Another thing that I've started doing recently is a couple of friends and I will go on a run. We'll do trail runs. And I used to run track. And so it doesn't really appeal to me that much anymore to just run in a circle or anything like that. But doing a trail run, you have to focus 100% on the run. You can't think about anything else because we are running on very treacherous terrain. Like there are rocks, there's like moss, there's mud if it's been raining, and we'll sometimes run in the rain. And so you have to focus 100% on where your foot is going. And so you're not even focusing on how 
hard it is, how your cardio is, how winded you are. You're focusing so much on every step that you get to kind of take yourself out of things. And I really enjoy that because what sometimes when I'm in the gym, I'm thinking about, you know, my next rental renovation or what I need to get or who I need to talk to for this or that. And so it's very easy for me to become focused on other things. So I think it goes along that same thread. You know, you're talking about kind of these different ways. You're mixing it up a little bit. And in the FI space, sometimes people who are approaching their FI number or trying to reach that FI life, so they kind of run themselves into the ground. They maybe try too hard out the front and then they burn themselves out. What are some ways that people can avoid burning themselves out with working out? Don't think that the first day you start, like it's almost like a New Year's resolution. And, you know, today's the day that I'm going to start getting myself in shape and I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to work every body part and I'm going to be in there for two and a half hours. And then the next day you're going to be so sore that you can't move for three or four days. And that actually takes you back. You know, you're, you're taking three steps back in that case and it gets you back out of the routine. So what I would say is start slow, start not necessarily easy. You still want it to be difficult, but and people recover at a lot quicker rates than they think. You know, some somebody might think, oh, I just need to go in and do one specific exercise and then I'll take the day off. But essentially, if you start the habit, that's the most important part is, you know, just knowing that you're going to go in there and move around. And it doesn't necessarily have to be at the gym. It could be, you know, in your living room. You can move all the equipment. You, you can move all your, um, you know, furniture out of the way and do a yoga routine as long as you have something set up every day. But don't try to overdo it. That, I think, is the bigger thing. Just like you were saying, Justin, people cut all the fat out of their diet or cut all the fat out of their budget. And now all of a sudden they're living like paupers and they can't eat. They, they're just eating rice and beans and, you know, they can't see their friends and they literally spend no money on anything ever. And they think, oh, this lifestyle sucks. It's just like exercise. You could you could run yourself really ragged trying to start doing too many things at once. So little small steps. And obviously, since this is a financial independent show, I want to talk about money a little bit. And of course, like I love going to the gym. I know, James, you love going to the gym, but there are a lot of really low cost or even free options. Like there's so many different body weight workouts, whether it's actual weightlifting or whether it's cardio resistance training, like you can get bands for five bucks. There's so many cheap ways to do it. I know that for me, like I like looking on Instagram. Um, my girlfriend has a ton of people she follows on Instagram to find cool, like cool little home workouts. I would love if you could talk a little bit about maybe some easy exercises or some awesome resources. I know you even have a workout plan of your own. I think that's probably for resistance training. But yeah, just talk about how you can do this for the cheapest or the freest way possible. Yeah, for sure. And YouTube is a great resource as well. There are so many how-tos and body weight exercises and workouts on YouTube, especially during the, the coronavirus and all the shutdowns. We, we have been using, utilizing a lot more at-home workouts and using bands, and you can use random things around the house for resistance if you want to do some type of resistance workout. I personally follow a bunch of people on Instagram as well and just try to look through their different types of things. And really, what I try to do is I find someone that I would like to emulate. There's a guy whose name is Michael Vasquez, and he's a professional jiu-jitsu guy. And so his functional training is all about like, how can I submit someone else as quickly as possible? I, I need to assert whatever game plan I have on this person. And so on a fundamental level, that's probably like the most primal exercising that you can do is, you know, taking two people and they're pitted against each other or, you know, animals and things like that probably would be more primal because of, <laughs> you know, like caveman experiences and stuff like that. But we're not really I'm not telling you to go out and chase down an elk right now. But there are a ton of exercises and bodyweight workouts. You can literally just pull up YouTube and think, okay, what do I want to do today? Okay, I want to do a full body circuit or I want to do, you know, more of a back workout or more arms workouts. And there are so many things that you could do that, that you would never think possible. One thing I thought, for instance, during the coronavirus shutdown, 
I didn't have a pull-up bar. And so what was I going to do to do pull-ups? I wanted to, you know, kind of hit my lats and my back and all that kind of stuff. And so I thought, well, I'm just not going to be able to do anything. I'm just going to have to hold on to the door handle or door frame and try to pull myself up. And then I'm going to rip it off and I'm going to look like an idiot. <laughs> but actually, I, I looked it up. And so someone had where they laid down a towel on the floor and literally just drug themselves across the floor doing a pull up all the way across the floor. <laughs> and they did, you know, 10 all the way down. And it looks crazy, but it's pretty effective. And especially if you don't have a bar, then you've got to make do with what you have. I have videos of my wife sitting down on that same towel that I was like myself across the floor with and I'm pulling her towards me you know just dragging her across the floor and it was fun for her she thought it was funny you know and I mean we, we look like idiots and she's falling over the whole time but that's another important part of it if it's not fun you're not gonna do it you know you have to find something that's fun for you I love kettlebells now I never liked kettlebells but now I find there's so much fun to do random crazy things with kettlebells and so many movements and so I enjoy that a lot more so make sure it's fun so another thing I wanted to ask you about was, you know, there's all these different diet fads and stuff. It's like, well, you cannot have a single bit of sugar. You can't have a single carb. You can only eat fat like bacon, whatever it might be. There's a, there's so many of these diets that are so, yeah, restrictive and absolute. But it seems like sometimes people just forget that, hey, you know, like finances, maybe step one is just doing a little accounting. Like how many calories are you eating? How many calories does your body burn? And getting that kind of down first, the same way you would do with your budget, where you'd look and say, okay, how much money do I have coming in? How much money do I have going out? Do you think that there's some kind of relations there? Absolutely. And it's kind of the same thing where a lot of people bite off too too much, the more than they can chew. And so they'll start some fad diet and they haven't taken the steps that, what was their lifestyle that got them to the point that they want a diet? And now they don't address that part of it. They just say, oh, well, now I'm going keto and I can eat. 10 pounds of bacon in a day and there's nothing going to happen, you know, negative from that. And then all of a sudden, you know, they, their blood pressure is spiking or whatever. And this is not to rag keto in any way. I personally, I think that cutting out any of the three major food groups, which is carbs, protein, and fat, I don't think that that is a recipe for success. I am much more of the mindset that eating mostly vegetables and not too much, not too little is the most important thing. So I, I don't restrict myself from anything. I will knock out an entire pizza if the opportunity presents itself. But at the same time, this is not a daily thing where I'm, you know, going out and getting, you know, a little Caesars or a Domino's or something like that. And the other part of that is if you focus so much on cutting out a major food group, then you're not focusing on what it is that you're putting in your body. So let's say that I'm going low fat. Well, you know, going out and getting 10 boxes of rice aroni or something like that isn't really going to be helpful because, I mean, it's just tons of carbs, but it's also so processed that it's not really going to have any nutritional value for you. So something you touched on, actually, Justin, when you asked the question and James, you were alluding to it is like just how important tracking is like you obviously have no idea where you are, whether you're tracking your macros or calories in calories out until you start actually tracking it. Same with finances, like you don't know how much you're spending every month until you put the pen to the pad or put the fingers to the spreadsheet, whatever that might be, and actually start tracking. So I love being tactical. And you've been on the show before, James, like we like giving the listeners like little nuggets that they can actually take away. Could you talk about it could be for your fitness, like weightlifting, it could also be for dieting, like how do you track and manage all these different things that revolve around your health and fitness? So I mean, my fitness pal is probably the most useful app that anybody would use when it comes to diet. So many people have uploaded all the different types of things. Literally, you could search for something and pull up the exact serving size of it and it'll track that for you, which I think is really convenient. I got to the point where I was tracking for a few years. And so now I can kind of estimate, I can look at, you know, a scoop of peanut butter and I know that that's two tablespoons. So that makes it much easier. Just like 
you know, I'm sure that you know exactly what your expenses are coming in and out most of the time. Some people still track it meticulously every month, but I bet you have a general understanding. So I think that my fitness pal is an easy thing to do. The other thing I do when I when I actually exercise is I am old school. I have pen to paper and I have probably 10 notebooks that are full of each workout that I do. And what I'll do is I don't go back and look at what I did three years ago. Sometimes I do just to see how far I've come. But I'll look at, you know, last week, what did I do? And then I try to progress from there. So it's essentially progressive overload. I'm just trying to do a little bit better every time. And so it's something that consistency is key too, because I can't really compare dumbbell bench to a barbell bench. So I'm trying to do the same things. And then every few weeks, I'll change it up and see how that helps. But I always refer back to it and see what I was doing at least a few weeks ago. I think something you just mentioned about the always trying to do a little bit more is an interesting thing with weightlifting, especially for somebody who's maybe just getting started. Like, how do they know when they're maybe pushing themselves too far versus when it's time to add another two and a half pound plate to the bench? It's hard to know. That's the problem because you, you want your technique to be perfect, right? And, you know, a little cheat every now and then isn't going to like hurt you too much, right? But when you are, you know, hipping your way up on a bench or you're hitching on squats or your deadlift is really your back is rounded the entire time and you're going to pull something, you definitely want to make sure that the weight is way less important than the technique. If you have a good technique, then it doesn't matter what weight you're lifting. It's still helpful. But if you have poor technique, you could have the lightest amount of weight on there or the heaviest amount of weight on there, and it's not going to help you at all, or it's actually going to be more detrimental. That's the bigger issue. So I would say that when you feel when you feel that your technique might be faltering because of how much weight you have on there, then either stop a couple reps before that or go lighter. Also, another thing that I've seen you mention, I've, I've recently got better about this, but could you talk about the importance of like stretching and flexibility and what that can do for your longevity and your overall health? So I really enjoy stretching and I used to, I mean, I'm not a very flexible person even now, but I enjoy stretching because I find that having better mobility makes me feel better. My wife and I, when we get up in the mornings, we go for a walk and then we still work out during the day. And then in the evenings we go for a walk and my hips are really tight. And so I think the walking actually helps me out a lot. The other side of that is when you have a full range of motion, you can utilize your muscles better. You can use better technique when it comes to lifting things. I mean, just as, as simple as lifting groceries off the floor. If you're if you don't have flexibility, then you might be sacrificing your back to do it or your legs to do it. And your back is not in the right place. And that's a key part. Another thing that I heard someone else mention on um, another podcast, I think this was a guest on the Joe Rogan podcast. He mentioned that his goal was he had an idea of what he wanted to be able to accomplish at 100. He was calling it like the Centurion Olympics. And so he regressed that back to, okay, if I want to be able to do this at 100, then I need to be able to do this at 80, this at 60, this at 30. And it was like really fundamental things. I want to be able to lift my grandkid. I want to be able to you know, put my bag up when I get on the airplane and not have to have help for that kind of stuff. And so that to me was really interesting because I hadn't really thought of it in that sense. I'm a very self-motivated, very self-starter like I'm probably a little too prideful at times. And so I don't want help for things. And so I, I feel like that's now me. I'm thinking, okay, how is this going to help me when I'm a hundred years old and they're going to think I'm some frail old man, but I'm still carrying a carry on because I refuse to have a bag that rolls, you know, something <laughs> like that. So stretching is obviously important. Another thing that I imagine is important, even though I'm terrible at it and you'd think I would be better at it since it's the cheapest thing in the world. And that is water just drinking water. So how important is hydration to all of this? I mean, hydration is key. If you're not hydrated enough, 
then your body's not able to get all the nutrients that you're taking in. There's some, there's a certain level of bioavailability of all the things that you're eating. And if you're not hydrated enough, your body's working so hard to try to get all of these things that you need. And not only that, your blood isn't as viscous. You're not probably making the same connections in your mind because your mind is, your brain is so much, so much of a percentage of it is water that if you're starving yourself of water. And I think that that's probably a bigger issue. A lot of people at times, they have a feeling and they think it's hunger, but it's actually thirst because they're not drinking enough water. Most people aren't drinking enough water. And the other issue is all liquids are not created equal, just like all foods aren't created equal. You know, a Twinkie doesn't equal a slice of whole wheat bread. A Coke is not the same as water, right? And even Gatorade is not the same as water. So I think that that's an important aspect that you touched on that a lot of times gets brushed over, Justin. Nobody thinks about hydration. Well, I know no one can actually see us because this is just a podcast, but Justin and I just both took a sip of water as you were talking about that. So I liked a little subconscious. I was just feeling so guilty about it. <laughs> I know, me too. <laughs> there's literally a sign There's literally a sign in front of our sink that uh, my girlfriend put up that says, please chug water because I'm just so bad at drinking water. <laughs> oh, okay. So James, something you mentioned about earlier were the three big macros, the proteins, the fats, and the carbs. And I think some people, I mean, we're just not really taught this and have no idea how much of each they should be putting into their body for whatever their ideal physique is. Can we talk a bit about that and like what a little more of each one might do to your body? What foods you should completely avoid? Because I know things like refined sugars are just absolutely horrible for physique and overall health. But a lot of people don't know that and they don't know what types of products that's in. So could we kind of give a very high level overview of like good foods to eat, foods you maybe shouldn't eat and then break it down into the macros? Yeah. So, I mean, the easiest thing is if it grows out of the ground on a, I guess maybe not anything that grows out of the ground, you know, don't go out and start picking like poisonous mushrooms that you've stumbled across in the woods. But my wife and I, we, the way that our meals are organized now is we typically have a salad or we'll do, you know, some type of mixed veggies or things like that. And it's a very homogenous meal. So we put all of these things in one thing. It's not like the the meat and then a potato and then a, a you know a mac and cheese or a green bean and then you call it like vegetables <laughs> and most people consider potatoes vegetables but they're incredibly starchy that's not a problem right but I prefer sweet potatoes I prefer things like that but you did mention the the sugars and sugar this is this is another one of my like soapboxes is diet stuff right you think that by drinking a diet coke you're doing something good but the problem is your body actually has a reaction based on the taste, based on all these things. Your body senses that you're getting sugar, and so it raises your insulin levels, right? But then you're not actually ingesting real sugar, so your body can't utilize that. So your insulin levels stay high from that point on, and it should be dropping because your body is getting ready to process all that sugar. But actually what happens is your insulin levels stay high, and that creates insulin resistance, and then that leads to prediabetes and diabetes itself. And so that's a bigger issue. I think that Sugar um, has gotten a bad name, but the other side of that is you're not trying to eat Twinkies and things like that that have sugar in them. We eat fruit. Fruit is actually our dessert most most nights, actually pretty much every night. We will split like an apple and an orange. So she'll have half, I'll have half. We'll do bananas. We'll do things like that. And I found that when you cut out, like I used to eat a ton of like Reese's and I used to, at work, we would have people that would bring food to us and I was never turning down anything. So I was eating every dessert I could get my hands on. I've got a sweet tooth. My self-control ends once it enters the house, right? If it's here, if it's in front of me, like if I'm at the store, I will never buy a thing of Oreos. If there's a thing of Oreos sitting over here at the house, I will eat a sleeve at a time. I have zero (laughs) self-control. Once it starts, I have zero self-control. So that's the bigger thing for me. I know that once it's in the house, 
I will eat every single thing. So we try to really limit what we bring in to make sure that it's healthy. But once you cut out all those sweets and things like that, you find that fruit is actually so much sweeter than you remember it being, right? Like, I mean, an orange is incredibly sweet for me now. Like, I think it's great. It's not like in a bad way. But if I ate a piece of cake and then had an orange, I would think it tasted disgusting, you know, because the cake is just so rich. And so that's that's an important part of it. I know you had mentioned the macros themselves. Fats are also something that's been demonized a lot. And if you get healthy fats, which would be like, I mean, fish oils or avocados or things like that, that's really what you're looking for. Like trans fats are bad, but you're looking for poly and monounsaturated fats, which are easy for your body to break down. And it actually helps mental cognition, helps like your heart health. There are a lot of things that can help there. Um, So fat gets a bad name sometimes. But, you know, the other issue is like we're supposed to get a certain level of omega three sixes and nines. The problem is most of the time we're getting so many sixes because that's what is actually deep fried. Deep fried foods have such a high number of six, but you're not getting any of the threes or nines. And so if you limit your intake of that, then I would suggest getting like a, maybe a fish oil complex or something that has three sixes and nines in it. But I'm also not one of those people that think, you know, you should be taking a supplement for everything that you're missing because you should really just be trying to eat the rainbow. You should be eating all sorts of colorful things, mostly vegetables again, and you'll eliminate much of a need for any multivitamins or things like that. We will be right back after this quick word from our sponsor. So what do you do if you're browsing the internet and you don't want marketing companies to see every single move that you're making? Incognito mode, right? Wrong. Even with incognito mode, your internet service provider can legally sell your information to ad companies. That's why if I want actual privacy, I'll go online using ExpressVPN. So ExpressVPN is an app that reroutes your internet connection through their secure servers so your ISP can't see the sites you visit. ExpressVPN also keeps all your information secure by encrypting 100% of your data with the most powerful encryption available. ExpressVPN is available on all your devices, so phones, computers, tablets, even on your smart TV, so it's easy to protect all your internet data. Protect your online activity today with a VPN rated number one by CNET and Wired. Visit our exclusive link, expressvpn.com slash fyshow, and you can get three extra months free on a one-year package. That's expressvpn.com slash fyshow, expressvpn.com slash fyshow to learn more. So you're talking a little bit about macros and we've briefly touched on like the three different ones, but is there an ideal ratio? I mean, is it like 60% one, 20% one, 20% the other, or is it 33% of each? Like, you know, what is the ideal ratio? It's impossible to give like a blanket statement to say like, this is going to work for everybody because everybody is different. You know, some people might react differently to carbs. And so they try to limit that, not necessarily cut them entirely out. I'm not going to say that there is a specific number. There was a time where I was doing, you know, the physique shows and things like that. And mine was like 50% protein, which is completely unnecessary. I do think that that's an important thing that we should mention is that most people think that they need way more protein than they actually need. It's like 0.8 grams of protein per kilogram of body weight, right? So a kilogram is 2.2. So essentially it's half a gram for your body weight. So if you weigh 100 pounds, you need 50 which I mean, there aren't many people that weigh 100 pounds. But if you weigh 200, then you really only need 100. But the general consensus is when you're doing like bodybuilding and even powerlifting and things like that, what gets thrown around is one gram per pound of body weight. And even more, sometimes it's one gram for your goal body weight. So if you're 150 and you're trying to get to 200, you need to be eating 200 grams a day, which is just astronomical. It is way more than any person could ever use. And there's a rate of diminishing return there. 
you could take in 200 grams of protein, but really you're only utilizing a small amount of that because once you get so much of it, you can't use the rest of it. All right, James. So I'm sold. I know I need to eat good food, but man, I'm not going to Whole Foods and spending $400 every single week. So could you talk about like, maybe what do you, what do you guys spend on food a week? Where are you shopping? Where are some good places? Obviously it's going to be regional and we're going to have some geographic issues, whether you're in a different country or you're in Hawaii or Alaska or whatever. But let's just give a general overview for like, how much is this going to cost? Is this going to break the bank going down this healthy eating lifestyle? Yeah. So our food costs have gone up since we have become retired because we used to snag a bunch of free food at work. And I know Justin is like the king at this. <laughs> we would Anytime anybody catered to work, we would take the leftovers because no one would eat the leftovers. And they would openly say, like, we're never going to eat this after today. And so we would just take the whole to-go box with us. And so we used to spend, this is like something I really hung my hat on. We used to spend $40 a week on groceries and eating pretty healthy outside of like the things that we would take from work because nobody was bringing healthy stuff to work. <laughs> but even now we still spend, I would probably say, around double that, which is still a very manageable amount. I'd say around $80 a week. And there was a time where I would say you only shop at Aldi, only shop at Aldi and it'll have everything you need. And Aldi still does give us probably 70% of what we get. But now recently we've been seeing other companies starting to compete with Aldi and Aldi's raising their prices on a couple of things. And so essentially we look at the sale papers, which are supposed to get you into the store. And then that's their like loss leader. So they lose money on some of these sales. And that's to get you in the door. And then they want you to buy everything else there just out of convenience. I'm not saying spend 30 minutes driving around to every different store in town. And then, you know, not not counting your shopping time, because I think that that's really a waste of time to save a few pennies. But we do typically we'll shop at Walmart and that's very rarely. But we'll go to Kroger and we'll go to Aldi. And we are getting, again, mostly fruits and vegetables. My wife has found out in the past year that she's allergic to a ton of things which makes it a lot easier for me because now I just eat everything that she can't have. And so sometimes we go somewhere and like, she's like, oh, I can't have this. And so I eat a ton of her leftovers, which is really nice. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a, it's a crazy list of things. You wouldn't believe all the things that she's allergic to rice, soy, milk. So, I mean, that includes like cheese, all these other things, oats, and there's a ton of things, peanuts, peanuts <laughs> is the one like that. That saved me because now I get all the peanut butter to myself, which is really cheap, honestly. Peanut butter is so cheap, and it's very calorie-dense. So I just do a few spoonfuls of peanut butter for a snack, and like I'm set for a few hours at least. So just touching on some of those ways you mentioned, like places you're shopping, and normally that it's that sale paper that really has all the things you need to know. There's an app called Flip, F-L-I-P-P, and you can just quickly look at the different sale papers so you don't have to like go to the website or go to the app or like dig through your mail and you can just look at those pages. Honestly, normally it's the very first page is all you really need to scan and that shows you like the meat and the vegetables and the fruits and those kind of deals. But another thing I wanted to ask about is going back to some of the like lifting and cardio and that sort of thing and I feel like you hear sometimes, especially more so in the female community where people are almost afraid to lift weights because they think they're just going to wake up the next day and be just like huge and thinking if they want to get slim or they want to get a little more tone, that it's really just all cardio and that lifting has no part in that. And I'm sure you do not agree with that. So I'd just like to get your take on it, James. Yeah, I love this question because th this is something that you hear from so many people. Oh, I don't want to get bulky. I don't want this. I don't want that. Like, I'm like, look at all these guys in the gym and they are working their ass off 
And do you, they're trying to get bulky. And do you see how that guy looks? Like, it's not happening. <laughs> I wish it were that easy. Yeah. Yeah. I wish it was. Like, they think, I mean, honestly, so many people and like think if they go in and touch a barbell, like they're just going to be so yoked that they can barely scratch their back. Right. They're one of those people that have traps that start on the bottom of their ears. Right. And so they can barely turn their head. That's what they think happens. But I'm like, I had this conversation with my wife when we were dating. She wasn't very interested in the gym. And now she loves it. Like she's in there lifting with me every day. So I really enjoy that. That's our time. We're there together. But at the same time, we don't talk to each other a lot. Like I'll spot her. She spots me. So it's kind of our time to ourselves as well. And so we like that a lot. But that that was one of her concerns is, you know, she said, like, I don't want to get too big. And I said, I spend two hours a day in the gym and I am meticulously tracking everything I eat. Uh, at that time, I was taking all these supplements. I was like, think about how hard I'm trying to get big, right? And I do not look the way I want to. I was like, it's not going to happen overnight. You'll have plenty of time to notice that it's happening. And maybe I should take a step back, right? But it hasn't happened yet. And she's been lifting for years now. And she enjoys it probably more than I do sometimes. So I really enjoy that. But it is a concern that a lot of women have is that they think if they lift heavy, that they're going to just bulk up. And that's not what happens, right? They end up with some visible muscle tone, which is what a lot of people actually want. Like, I mean, you see like uh, Cameron Diaz or somebody like that, like they're doing like boxing and they're doing like lifting and stuff. And what's her name? Gal Gadot. She was in the special forces. Like she's not going in there and hitting the Stairmaster for 45 minutes. You know, she's actually lifting weights and looks like Wonder Woman. So (laughs) set that concern aside. I assure you, you will have months in advance. You won't get too big. (laughs) one article I wanted to kind of dig into, and this is kind of going to the mindset thing of like self-image. We actually just recently were talking about self-image with John Sephoric on The Wealthy Gardener. But I think for me anyway, like being physically fit and eating healthy and feeling right does more for me than just like the anatomically and biologically. Like it gives me a raised levels of confidence. I don't know. It makes me feel like I'm more able and capable. Like I think it helps me in entrepreneurship, all these different tangential things. I don't know if you've read any studies on that, or obviously you've probably experienced it yourself, James, but could you talk to that, like the psychological impact of eating right, lifting weights, all that good stuff? So I do think it's it's bigger than just the way you look, right? Like I know that I don't want this to turn into like a body shaming thing at all. It's not that. It is you go into the gym and now you know what you're physically capable of, right? Or you go to the trail or you're at home and you do 50 push-ups instead of 45 last week, right? So you know that you're progressing and you're happy about the way you feel. And it does, there's a feeling of euphoria after a workout. It relieves so much stress and you just feel great afterwards, even though it was incredibly hard while you're doing it. And you probably think it's hell. Like you're like, I hate this. Why am I doing this? I'm torturing myself, right? But afterwards, it is. it feels so amazing and it's hard to replicate with anything else. So James, one of the biggest pushbacks I hear to, hey, why don't you work out or, you know, why don't you eat right is like, I don't have the time. And one of your awesome, one of my favorite articles you wrote on fitness is your nine fitness side hustles. And I don't know if you can remember them all off the top of your head. I have them all in front of me, but there's some really awesome ones. I actually, um, I think I'm uh, in this article talking about my Uber Eats experience when I was, I probably sweated more delivering Uber Eats than I ever have on a treadmill. <laughs> like I was dripping in sweat. It was such a good workout and I was making money. So if you remember some of the other ones and, or maybe just some of your favorites, I'd love for you to talk about ways you can make money and get fit at the same time. Yeah. So the Uber Eats one was like a really good one. 
right now that's booming. You know, Uber Eats, Instacart, but you're gonna you're gonna have to limit your options there because somebody orders a hundred things from Costco, you're not gonna want a bike there. <laughs> but um, you know, DoorDash, all these different things, you can bike to all these places, especially if you live in a in a dense area. That's a, that's a key part of it. If you live in the middle of nowhere in the country, like this is gonna be very limited. Another thing that Martin Dasco does is Airbnb experiences. And that's one that I personally did when we were in Cyprus. I enjoyed it. I was taking people on walks through the old town, drinking coffee. And so coffee is raising my heart rate. It's raising my metabolism. It's doing all these things. And then I'm also walking all these people around. And so that's a really easy one as well. I did um, group fitness, I think was one of them. Personal training was another one. The group fitness one, the key part of it is if you're doing a group fitness class, you're running the class, getting paid, right? But you're also going through the workout with them. That's the biggest difference between that and a personal trainer. A personal trainer is going to be a little more one-on-one and you might just be telling someone, hey, do this, hey, do that, right? While a group fitness class, you're going to be in there with anywhere from five to 50 people and you're going to be at the front running a class, which I think is really cool as well. But you also have to be, you have to have enough cardio that you can talk to people while you're doing it. If you're up there, <laughs> all right, everybody, let's get down and do a push-up. Like, you're going to have a hard time. So I think that it also teaches you probably some breathing techniques. Rover was another one, walking dogs, moving things. I, I At one point, I had a small stint working for two men in a truck, and that was the most functional workouts I've ever gotten in my life, was lifting, you know, hoisting a huge couch upstairs, you know, a three-story house or something. And, like, that was, like, as, as functional as it gets. So that was an easy thing to do. And you could just do that with a pickup truck. You know, if you have a pickup truck or just listing your services on Facebook Marketplace saying that you'll have help people move around. Yard work was another one. And I'm trying to think what the other ones were. <laughs> I think you covered them all pretty much. There was referee on there. And oh, yeah, referee. yeah, that was the last one. <laughs> yeah, so referee, I did. I actually ref soccer right out of high school. And I really enjoyed that. You know, we'd get a tournament and you'd make $50 in a day. And all I'm really doing is running up and down the sidelines. The exercise was the easiest part of it. It was dealing with parents that was the hardest part of it because some parents are very invested in their kids' sports. And this is not a school sport. You know, it's not even like sanctioned, really. These are, you know, the little snappers are against the baby patriots or something, right? And they, these parents are really involved. But, I mean, it, it was a fun thing to do. You get to run up and down. You're spending your time outside and you're watching a sport that you love. Hopefully you love it. If you don't, then probably pick a different sport to ref. All of those are great ways to make money and to be healthy. And so it doesn't have to cost you anything. So one thing I wanted to do is is be a little cautious of obviously we're all three young in pretty good shape and we're probably thinking through everything in that lens. So what about some of those things that people could be doing who for whatever reason are just not as able-bodied as maybe the three of us are? That's a conversation that I have quite a lot. So it's a really good question is like, my my family and my wife's family, you know, particularly our parents and grandparents, they are getting up there in age. And so we're trying to assist them and being able to do things that they want to do. And so honestly, like it, it sounds crazy, but just getting up and walking. I know that's not going to get you the six pack abs, but just being able to move and do something functional. And that's something that you could do. And that's just going to prevent the more that you can do it and the more you force yourself to do it is going to prevent, you know, that from diminishing so quickly. My grandmother-in-law, you know, had to use a walker. Now one of them is bound to a wheelchair because she would sit most of her day, you know, in retirement. This is probably a bigger issue, especially at traditional retirement age, is that a lot of people go from sitting in an office to sitting at home and watching TV or something. You know, they're not really getting up and going out and doing things. And it could be as simple as going and checking the mail a few times a day. 
you know, just to see when the mailman comes. You know he hasn't come, right? You know exactly what time he comes every day, but you could still get up and walk down the stairs and go do that. You know, it, it's really simple things that just keeps you moving is the most important part. Once it goes, it's harder to get back. So the goal is to keep it where it is the whole time. Got to say, James, I love that approach, the thinking back from the 100. Like if you're doing 10 pushups every single day without fail, you'll probably still be able to do 10 pushups every single day. If you start when you're 20 years old, all the way up until you're 90, unless something absolutely horrible happened to your body. But I see a lot of like 85 year olds in my gym crushing it. And so I just love the framework you're thinking this through. Like anybody can do this. It's kind of like a consistency thing, just like financial independence, just like personal finance. It's tracking. It's making these tiny little changes that will have huge results down the road. So thank you again so much for coming on. And I'm, I know you have a lot of awesome content regarding these topics. I was pulling some of my questions from your articles, actually. So if someone wants to connect, learn more about you, where are some of the best places they can do that? My wife and I, like I had mentioned earlier, we blog at RethinkTheRatRace.com. We're on Instagram at RethinkTheRatRace. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. And I do have a separate Instagram that I just use mostly for fitness stuff and travel stuff. But we do incorporate that a lot with, uh, with the Rethink the Rat Race one. So you should be able to find me on that one. So James, beyond just getting a picture of you and taping it on the wall for motivation, what would you say should be someone's number one tip for getting started with the physical fitness avenue? I would say the biggest tip is to strike while you're motivated, right? When you have some tinge in your mind that says, you know, I want to change this aspect about my diet. I want to change this aspect about my body, not that you should be critiquing your body. I think that so many people are very self-critical and you have to you have to uplift yourself. Everything needs to be positive messaging. I can do this. I can do this. It's not I need to do this because I want to look like this. But the most important thing to me is to strike while the iron is hot, while you have the motivation. It's very easy to say, oh, on a Thursday, you know, today it's a Thursday. And it's very easy to say, oh, I wish I would I wish I could do this, right? Or I want to do this. Well, I'll start Monday. You know, it's a fresh week. Like that's the worst mindset, right? Because on Monday, you're not going to have that same level of motivation. The second you have that motivation, I'm not saying, you know, let's quit your job and run out the day that you think about it, right? You want to go walk and your boss says, no, don't do that, right? But that day you should do something. You should make some move toward whatever the goal is that you're searching for, whether it's starting a new diet or whether it's eating a little bit better. I'm not even a big fan of diets themselves, right? Eating a little bit better, eating a little healthier, moving a little bit more. So I think that that's the key part is doing it that day and starting the habit then. And another thing, speaking of quitting your job and things like that, the one thing that is tied to health insurance is your job. And so it's actually an interesting concept. Not a lot of people know is that your health insurance a lot of times covers a gym membership. And this is a key thing. I've referred a ton of people to ours. Our, we personally have Blue Cross Blue Shield and each state has their own little program. They call it a different thing, but your state probably has one as well. And you can essentially pay Blue Cross Blue Shield a set fee per month, or it's free if you go so many times a month, but you can pay them a set amount and it'll, this will get you a gym membership to any of these places that, that you'd like to go that participate. Our particular city, we have, I think, 10 gyms that participate. And so I have memberships at four or five of those different gyms. And when I go traveling, when I go visit friends, you know, in Chattanooga, Nashville, my sister in Tuscaloosa, I can go there and I can pull up the, the map and see exactly what gym participates. I can go in there and sign up for a free gym membership and then I can just access that one. And so this includes Gold's Gyms, Planet Fitnesses, you know, local gyms. It's It's got so many different options on there. And so I refer a lot of people to that because you don't have to be beholden to a specific place or a specific gym. And I think that's important. You know, a change of scenery is always nice. 
Another thing that a lot of jobs offer is an actual kind of fitness allotment that every employee gets. I know me and Leslie, both companies have around $400 a year that you can use towards gym memberships. You can also use it towards things like Spartan races. So just look into all that fine print because sometimes you get pretty creative with it. You can even use it for like ski passes. So that's really cool. Yeah. All right. Well, James, I know you've been through the ringer once way back on episode 36. And as actually a really hilarious answer, you had the funny cheese story in your wildcard answer. But we have a different one for you today. So I'm not prepared. Justin's not prepared. So, James, you're definitely not prepared. But are you ready? I am as ready as I'm going to be. <laughs> All right. So you are, as you explained, you told us that you are a pretty hardcore guy, super self-motivated. I know you've gone to some extremes to whether it's hit some bench goal or hit some physique goal. You've done all these different things. I think in one of your articles I read, at one point you were taking like 12 different pills a night, all these different crazy supplements when you're working at the vitamin store. What is the most extreme thing you can think on it that you've done to achieve, whether it's a goal weight and lifting or physique or anything like that, that you look back and you're like, wow, can't believe I did that. There's one particular time that I remember I was doing a powerlifting competition And I lost a little over 40 pounds that year to make this particular weight class. And I got to the place and I had been spitting the whole way there. I had, you know, done everything that I could to dehydrate a little bit so that I would be, you know, as light as possible to get on the scale. This is a particular thing that you have to meet a certain weight class. And I got to the event and weighed in at 0.2 kilograms over. And so I started spitting more, right? And I told the guy I could probably pee a little bit more. And so I tried to pee as hard as I could, right? Got a little bit left out. And so then I go back over and I weigh and I'm a little bit too heavy. And so what do I do? I drop my pants. So the most extreme thing I've done is get naked in front of another person (laughs) to try to meet a specific weight class. Did you make it? And honestly, I probably should have shaved. I should have shaved. I should have done something else, you know? Like I should have, I should have been a little more focused on this, but I did, I made it. I made the weight class and I ended up setting a few state records. So I was pretty happy about it. It was all worth it in the end. Right. (laughs) But, um, and I think I probably gained a little over 10 pounds that day, but that was the most extreme thing I've done. You know, most of the time I do it for money. That's another side hustle. Separate episode. Um, but this time I did it for free and I got naked in front of another person just to try to make a weight class. Well, James, thank you so much for coming on the show. This is an episode that's got a lot of neat little nuggets for any point in time, but especially with folks at home. And uh, now they're having to rethink that the way that they do gyms. Not only are they rethinking the rat race, but they're also rethinking the way they're working out. So thank you for coming on the show and spending some time with us. Yeah, thank y'all for having me. I always love what you do. I absolutely loved this episode, Justin. It definitely hits close to home because I'm a huge health and fitness junkie. I'm actually surprised and upset that we haven't had an episode like this out earlier, but I was so glad that James could come on. I couldn't think of a better person to lend their expertise. What'd you think about it? Yeah, I mean, a couple things right off the top is that it's super practical, right? It's something that everyone can get something out of. This is not something where, oh, well, I haven't saved enough yet or, oh, I'm not comfortable with this kind of investment. This is something that affects everyone. It's also something that's unfortunately overlooked a lot in the financial independence space, like, we're doing all this so that we can retire early. But if we retire early and we haven't taken care of our bodies along the way, then all that time that we have to ourselves is not going to be as enjoyable once we actually get there. Yeah, honestly, that's one of the things I don't see enough, I don't think, in the financial independent space is you see all of this side hustle, side hustle, side hustle, work until you're almost exhausted. That's kind of like the Gary V mindset is like, you know, sacrifice your 20s, sacrifice your 30s, you can build this huge pile of wealth. But if you're just completely neglecting your health and fitness along the way, 
what good is that money? Like, it doesn't matter how much money you have if you're having trouble walking around because of things that you could have controlled or if you're having all these complications because you weren't taking care of your diet or you weren't going on these regular walks or all these things that James was talking about, like you said, Justin, it's not like you have to go out and run a marathon or you don't have to do 500 push-ups a day or do all these insane feats regarding physical fitness and crazy diets where you have to cut out all carbs or cut out all sugar. It's just doing most of the things right. And I think one of the things I really liked about this episode were the parallels we drew to financial independence. It's like we tell people, spend on what you value. You can't have those little things. You can't have those concerts, those lattes every once in a while, those things that make you happy that aren't breaking the bank. As long as you understand the core of it and you're getting 90% of it right, that extra 10% is totally fine. It's the same thing with health and fitness. So I really liked how James could draw those parallels between the health and fitness and financial independence worlds. Yeah, Cody, and I think another parallel is a lot of times in this financial independence space, we love doing all this analysis. We love getting super deep into it, and then we can overcomplicate things. We can do the same thing with these diet plans and fitness in general. We can try to say, oh, I've got to come up with this very specific, very detailed diet plan where I can only eat these two things, or I can never eat this one thing, and I've got to be super, super strict. And in reality, a lot of times, that's what burns people out because it's just not sustainable. You know, James said, mostly vegetables, not too much. And that idea is get an idea of what your caloric intake should be. Kind of use that as a framework. Maybe make most of your plate vegetables. And you don't have to sit there and say, I will never eat sugar again, or I will never eat a carb again, or never, you know, or just making any of those absolute statements. Because if you do that, that's not really sustainable. It won't be life-changing because it won't be something that you do for life. It'll be something that you do for maybe two or three months. And then you'll realize, I can't do this anymore. And you'll just fall off the wagon and go back to your old ways. Yeah, along those same lines, I think something that's really important with health and fitness, along with financial independence, is like there's no one-size-fits-all approach. Like carbs affect people differently. Refined sugars affect people differently, although they're pretty bad for every single person. But I did like how James was saying that, like, you don't have to follow the same diet as your neighbor. Even if your neighbor is shredded and they have an eight pack and they're going on 20 mile jogs every day, you don't have to follow their exact diet. You can find a little modified diet that works for you. And so my own personal experience, like I actually quite interestingly went freegan back at the end of November. I've kind of been doing that since most of my groceries are vegan and then I'll eat whatever (laughs) when it's free. I know, Justin, you're on the free food train. I love getting free food as well. But that's been working for me. I also have friends who have tried the carnivore diet, which is like mostly meats. I have friends who have tried keto, paleo, Atkins. There's all these different diets that do work for different people. It's just what you're comfortable with, what your body says yes to, what your body says no to, because certain amounts of those macros, the proteins, the fats, and the carbs may work differently for different body types, for different ages, for different genders, all these different factors. So I think it's important to find what works for you and then stick with that plan. Yeah, Cody, and bringing this all back to the Phi Space view, right? This also doesn't have to be expensive. So James and Emily, two people are spending $80 a week and they're eating tons of fresh vegetables. Also, Emily has a lot of dietary restrictions. So it's not just, hey, they're taking whatever is on sale. So we all have our excuses, but I think that that's a pretty good model of, hey, if they can do it for 80 bucks a week, two people, then just about anyone should be able to do it. I mean, me and Leslie actually spend around $30 a week for two people and we eat, you know, pretty healthy. We just don't have those dietary restrictions, which gives us a little more leeway with taking things that are on sale and not having to worry about like the exact ingredients that everything has in it. But just letting people know whether it's $30, $80, even $100, like for two people a week, that's a very reasonable amount to be spending on food. 
And regarding the exercise stuff too, I have a lot of friends who I'm like, hey, you know what? Just start trying to exercise, whether it's going on a walk or a jog or push-ups, whatever. One thing I really like that James says is you don't have to just massacre your body on that first workout. You don't have to hit every single body part, work out for two hours because like he mentioned, you're going to be sore for the next four days. You're never going to want to work out again. Start small. Go on a walk. If you can't jog, maybe build yourself up to a jog. If you can't do a push-up, do a few knee push-ups. If you can't do a pull-up, do an assisted pull-up. Like Just start at the lowest, most comfortable place possible and work yourself up from there because it's really that repetition. It's the act of doing the exercise and then you can start getting more reps, more weight, more stamina, whatever the thing is that you want more of. You can start from that base and build yourself up. And now it's time for the call to action. So the call to action this week is actually something that me and Leslie ourselves are starting this week and it is like a fitness challenge. And the way we do it to make it where there's no real loser is so we have just a minimum set of types of workouts like cardio, upper body, lower body, and each of us can choose for us what that means. But as long as we hit the minimum, so that's like two upper body workouts, two lower body workouts, so many miles of running. And as long as we both hit that, then we're both going to put money into a pot that we can use for a date night. Let's say one of us doesn't hit it, but the other one does. Well, then that means the other person has to cover that kind of entry fee for both people. So it's giving you a little monetary motivation to stay with it. It gives you a partner. Now, obviously, you know, if you don't have a partner in the home, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a family member, but it just gives you some way of motivate yourself and kind of a reward waiting on you at the end because then you take that money and you enjoy it together. Love that, dude. That's awesome. And I feel like that's an easy way to stay motivated. And like you said, doesn't have to be in person. Could it be an accountability buddy that you text a picture of you in a bathing suit to and say, hey, you know what? I'm going to lose 30 pounds over the next X number of weeks or months. And then that person is going to hold you accountable, hopefully, or at least you'll be mentally accountable for it. And I know James dropped a bunch of useful nuggets in this episode about health, fitness, where to shop, how to work out, all these awesome things. And you can get all of that info in our show notes at thefyshow.com slash health. That's thefyshow.com slash health. And as always, if you want to check out our Facebook group page, you can do so at thefyshow.com slash community. And we always appreciate those five-star reviews. They help us get great guests like we had today. And if you're interested in supporting The Fi Show, you can do so by checking out some of our partners over at the resources page, which can be found at thefyshow.com slash resources. And thanks for listening. Hey, real quick, before you go, I just want to remind you that I have made my personal like budget and net worth tracking spreadsheet available, the very same one that I use to track my net worth from $38,000 to over $1.2 million available for free on our website at thefyshow.com slash spreadsheet. So you can go download that today. That's thefyshow.com slash spreadsheet.